Grace, peace, and wisdom are yours from God our Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text for today is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 9. We hear verses 1 through 10. Please rise as we hear these words in Jesus' name. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved out her seven pillars. She has prepared her meat. She has mixed her wine. She has already set her table. She has sent out her servant girls. She calls from the highest point in the city. Whoever is naive, let him turn in here. To someone who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat my food and drink the wine that I have mixed. Abandon your naive ways and live. Travel the road to understanding. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. And whoever warns a wicked person invites abuse. Do not warn a mocker or he will hate you. Warn a wise person and he will love you. Give advice to a wise person and he will become even wiser. Teach a righteous person and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And we pray. O Lord, be with us today. Give us your wisdom as we now consider your word. Amen. Please be seated. Our text for today is from a a section of the Old Testament that is known as, as part of the wisdom literature of the Bible. It's meant to impart wisdom to God's people. And in our verses from Proverbs chapter 9, we hear of wisdom personified as a woman, a woman who has prepared a great feast. And similarly to our our gospel lesson that we heard a few moments ago, an invitation is now going out. She's sending out her servant girls. She's going and having it shouted from the rooftops so that all people might hear this invitation, so that all people might be invited to come and feast with her. And that's a good thing. It's good for you and for me because it means that that is an invitation for us as well. God is inviting you to have wisdom. He wants you to come and feast with wisdom. That's what we'll consider today, this invitation to come and feast with wisdom. But what exactly is wisdom? What is meant by wisdom? Where do we find wisdom and how do we get it? And then thirdly, how do we feast with wisdom? That's what we want to consider today. So first of all, what is meant by this term and concept of wisdom? What is wisdom? Wisdom is one of those things that can be kind of difficult to define, but it's easy to see. You can spot it and recognize it when it's there before you. People sometimes confuse wisdom with with knowledge or with understanding. And they're related, of course, but they're not the same thing. You could be book smart. You could have great knowledge. You could have a really high IQ, and you could still lack wisdom, couldn't you? You could still be doing things that are really unwise. And on the other hand, you might not have a formal education. You might not have great knowledge, and yet you could still be very wise. 
Think of Abraham Lincoln, for instance. I read recently that Abe Lincoln only had 12 months of formal education in a classroom. Just 12 months of classroom education. Wouldn't that be great, students? And yet, we would consider him to be one of the, the wisest of all of our American presidents. So what is it? What is wisdom? And what is wisdom as it's defined for us in the Bible? King Solomon, he was known for his wisdom. He was famous for his wisdom. And he wrote much of the wisdom literature of the Bible, including our text for today from Proverbs 9. When King Solomon was a brand new king, God came to Solomon in a dream and asked him, what do you want, Solomon? I'll bless you with anything you ask. And Solomon said this, he said, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may, and this is important, that I may discern between good and evil. And God was really pleased. He was happy with this request from Solomon. And God replied to him, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart. So wisdom in the Bible means that you have discernment. You have the ability to make the proper choice between what is good, right, and salutary instead of that which is bad, harmful, and destructive. Biblical wisdom is all about making proper decisions that will then go and bear good outcomes. Good outcomes that are in line with what God wants. Outcomes that God himself will bless. This is wisdom. And this is the wisdom that you and I want to have. So where do we find this wisdom? How, how do we get this kind of wisdom? This is a wisdom that can only come from one place. It comes from and it originates in God. It's a gift that God bestows. And this is an emphasis in our text for today. We hear about it. It's something that he graciously offers. Wisdom, Lady Wisdom's Feast... It's fully prepared, and then it's freely offered to all. It's not something that, that people have to go out and achieve. It's not something they go out and do in order to go and get into the feast. Instead, it's just freely provided. It's shared with those who want to come and partake. You who are simple, you who are naive, you who are foolish, stupid even, you who are lacking understanding, Come and feast with wisdom is the invitation. This was the case with Solomon. God was the one who gave Solomon wisdom. We also hear in the book of Job. In Job chapter 28, Job asks, and then he answers the question, From where then does wisdom come? God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn away from evil is understanding. Fear of the Lord is wisdom, turning away from evil, understanding. Sounds familiar because it really parallels and is repeated at the end of our text for today. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The Bible teaches, God tells us, that wisdom is given when one fears the Lord. 
Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to fear the Lord? I once heard a pastor explain it this way. He said, fearing the Lord doesn't mean that we, we cower in fear, afraid of God. That's what God's enemies do. We're not his enemies. Instead, fearing the Lord means that we respect and love God so much that we are afraid to disappoint him. It should be our heart's desire to do what God wants, what God deems is best and good, to follow along with with what God knows, with his wisdom. After all, isn't God the one who gets to determine what is right and wrong? Isn't God the one who has, has set the standard? And hasn't he given that standard to us in his Ten Commandments? Of course, we have some enemies, God's spiritual enemies, Satan, the world, even our own sinful flesh. They try to distort this wisdom that God has given. We have enemies that are constantly attacking us, attacking God's people to try and get their hearts, our hearts, to be mixed up about what is right and what is wrong. Our enemies try to get us to think, that it's okay and it's right to do what God has already said is wrong. They work to belittle God. They, they work to belittle God's wisdom. And they plant these seeds of doubt in our minds, don't they? They ask us, wouldn't this be better than what God wants? Does this really make sense to you, what God is doing? Is this really what you want? Why not gratify yourself and take this for yourself? Who cares what God has said? Is God being fair with you? Maybe he's not. Isn't this ridiculous? You know what you think would be better. We have all of these temptations from our spiritual enemies that are at work to try and undermine the wisdom of God because they want us to follow after their own false wisdom but it's all just a big lie. And yet, sadly, our our enemies are, are so successful in this. Even at the very beginning, this is what Satan did to get Eve, wasn't it? He appealed to her to take for herself wisdom that was apart from God. If you eat this fruit, Eve, you'll actually be like God, knowing good and evil. You can have your own wisdom, Eve, You can make up your own rules. Just go ahead and eat it. And of course, Eve bit into the lie, didn't she? Seeing that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took some of its fruit and ate. Genesis 3, 6. Sadly, ironically, Eve already possessed wisdom. She already understood what was right and wrong. And she had been doing what was right by not eating But then she traded that biblical divine wisdom for a lie. And that was, of course, a big mistake. She wanted her own wisdom apart from God. And the mistake that she made, that fall into sin, brought pain, suffering, death, and destruction into the world. And sadly, this is a mistake that you and I still are falling for. Mark Twain once had a quote about his father that's, that's relatable here. Mark Twain said, When I was 14, my father was so ignorant, 
I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. Sometimes we act like that 14-year-old, don't we? We're tempted to feel that way about God. Oh, he's ignorant. He doesn't understand. He doesn't get it. Who cares about him? But haven't there then been times when God's wisdom plays out over time and it shows us that we were really the ignorant ones, that God really did know what was best, that his wisdom was spot on? How often have you acted like that 14-year-old Mark Twain? How often have you scoffed at God and scorned his wisdom? How often have you fallen for the desire of, of instant gratification, doing something that God doesn't want you to do, something that God would consider to be very unwise? Have you been fearing the Lord as you should? Or have you turned away from God's wisdom because you thought you knew better than him? How often do we find ourselves in messes that have been created by our own lack of wisdom, our own sins, our own, our own guilt, our own ignorance? And in such moments as these, don't we have to admit that, that we have proven ourselves to be pretty foolish and stupid and ignorant? What do you do then? When you come to that realization when you realize your lack of wisdom, what would be the wise thing to do then? Listen to the invitation that we find in our text. Whoever is naive, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To someone who lacks sense, she, Lady Wisdom, says, Come, eat my food, drink the wine that I have mixed, abandon your naive ways, and live. Travel the road to understanding. The invitation to come and feast with wisdom is an invitation for those who realize that they need it. Abandon your naive, simple ways and live, she says. Come and have God's wisdom. And really, this is an invitation to repent. And this is how we feast with wisdom. We seek to live lives of repentance. Every day we turn our hearts away from the lies of our enemies that are trying to get us to fall for their false wisdom. Those lies that we've fallen to and that we fall to every day, we turn our hearts away from them and we direct our hearts back to God and to the wisdom of God. We place our trust in him and in his wisdom. There was a cancer researcher, a well-known scientist in his day, and a doctor. His name was Dr. Robert Good. He was the, the first man to ever perform a bone marrow transplant. He was once asked at the end of his, uh, re, uh, at the end of his career uh, what made him so successful, if he had any wisdom to share with the next generation of, of doctors and researchers. And he attributed his success to his willingness to see and admit very quickly any error that might be in his theories and to quickly turn away from them and go in a different direction. That's the kind of attitude and heart that we should have as well. 
when we face godly correction, when we face criticism or warning or rebuke, don't mock it, don't scorn it with this puffed up sense of of pride. That's what the wicked people in our text were doing. It's what made them wicked. They refused to listen to wisdom. Instead, we should be willing to admit our lack of sense. We should confess our wrongs. We should turn from our errors and our sins, turn away from that ignorance, and instead put our trust in God and in his wisdom. That's what this invitation to come and feast with wisdom is really all about. Forsake our mistakes, place our trust in God and in God's wisdom. I also know of a quote. It says, to to acquire knowledge, you have to study. But to acquire wisdom, you have to observe. Open your eyes, observe, take in what you see. And I think this is also good and fitting. It speaks the truth about, about us as we want to have biblical divine wisdom. It's something that we need to observe. First of all, we need to observe our own selves, take an honest look at our own hearts, see the great need that we have. But then we are invited to to take a look, to observe the wisdom of God as God put it into action. That's where wisdom lies, right there, in Christ and in Christ crucified. That was the message, really, of Peter on Pentecost as he preached his Pentecost sermon. He was trying to get that crowd to observe everything about Christ. God sent his son into the world, Peter proclaims. He lived among us, performed all these signs and wonders among us. He was perfect and wise in every way, and yet he was killed brutally upon a cross. In fact, you were responsible for his death, Peter says. But God has brought him back to life, winning for all of us, according to God's wisdom, the forgiveness of sins. The wisdom of God is found here in this person of Jesus, Peter's proclaiming. And then Peter acts as Lady Wisdom's servant girl, going out and giving the invitation. When in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit, that's, that's faith. And with faith also comes divine wisdom. Paul also, St. Paul also told his readers of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to observe the great wisdom of God, which comes in the message of Christ crucified. And Paul says, this seems like complete and utter foolishness to the world, but this is really God's wisdom. His wisdom for you, that Jesus would come and and even die upon the cross. Paul writes, Indeed, since the world, through its wisdom, a false wisdom, did not know God, God in his wisdom decided to save those who believe through the foolishness of the preached message. We preach Christ crucified, Paul says, which is offensive to Jews, it's foolishness to Gentiles, But Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God, Paul says. So, to feast with wisdom, it means that we observe Jesus Christ. We know what he has done for us. 
We believe in what he has done for us, as the scriptures have portrayed him. It shows us that God's own son took it upon himself to come into this world to become our brother. He became true man, and he lived here in this world. He lived a holy, perfect life. He lived a life of complete wisdom, complete, perfect discernment between good and evil, and never once did he do anything that was bad. He earned perfect, sinless righteousness that he now shares with us. And as for all of those times where we have maybe stepped away and walked away from God's wisdom, chasing after what we think is wiser, mistakenly so, God or Jesus has taken all of those times, all of those sins, he took them with him to the cross. And there upon the cross, he paid for them all. Our Lord Jesus also rose from the dead, which proves to us that he's victorious, that he is in fact the wisdom of God, the true wisdom of God that opens to us our own resurrection. He opens to us the great feast and banquet of heaven. And dear friends, as you come here to this place, here in church, as you are sitting there in your pew today, do you realize that you are right now sitting at his banquet table with him? He is at this very moment giving his wisdom to you. Jesus is coming and being shared with you here in this place through the preaching of his word. The Holy Scriptures, which Paul explains to Timothy, make us wise for salvation, right? Here in this place, Jesus comes to us as we are brought to the baptismal font. Here as we gather around the altar, and we receive Jesus' own body and blood. The wisdom of God is shared with us here in this place. We get to feast with divine wisdom himself as Jesus comes to us here. Here, through his word, through baptism, through the Lord's Supper, God assures you that he loves you, that he's forgiven your sins, that he has a place waiting for you in heaven. That's what the wisdom of God is really all about. That's the greatest of all wisdom that God provides for you and for me. And this is what then installs in our hearts the fear of the Lord. We possess the love of God. We know it. And that moves us then to desire more and more of God's wisdom. As we come and as we, we feast together in this place with God, as he is sharing Jesus with us, he is then strengthening us, helping us to set aside and to recognize and see all the lies of our enemies so that we might stay away from them and not fall into those unwise traps but instead that we will want to follow in his wisdom. We don't want to make up excuses. We don't, we don't want to avoid that feast. We don't want to make up any excuses to avoid the invitation that he has given to us. Instead, we want to rejoice in this invitation that God has given to us. We want to hold on to it. And we want to make use of that invitation. We want to come and have God's wisdom and to have life in it. Thanks be to God for this gracious invitation to come and feast with wisdom. Amen. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. <laughs>